This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're right, this is a very, very strange time that we're going through. Um, Let me get to the details of the program and then we can talk about the other stuff. Uh, If you have any questions, Bible questions, life questions, anything going on in your life, all you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. If you are outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app and send in your questions that way. If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Um, Just push the call now button. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, our main number is 340-9585. I would be interested today in your reaction. Some of you, uh, many of you, your churches were closed. A few of you um, had church uh, as usual. Uh, I'd be interested in your impressions, what's going on, and um, whether or not we are overreacting or being wise. Uh, As for us here at Calvary Chapel San Antonio, we uh, had our three services yesterday. Attendance was maybe a little bit down, but not severely. And um, lots and lots of people thanked me for being open. And we had some people from churches that were closed who who popped in as well. So I'd be interested in any of your comments about uh, what's going on, uh, as well as any of your other questions. A quick reminder, because it's Monday night, we will have our uh, men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight here at 7 o'clock. The ladies will be doing the second round of their uh, women's retreat recap. And then uh, the men, Pastor Ken, uh, will be teaching the men. He is in the book of Acts. And uh, Pastor Nelly, um, well, I don't think Pastor Nelly will be here. He's out of town. But uh, we'll be have our high school and junior high school groups as well. So it can be kind of a family thing. I think in this day and age, it's a good thing to get out. These are small groups. You don't have to worry about anything. Uh, and uh, hopefully... Hopefully the Lord will bless. Okay, well, let's go to our phone lines first and talk with Reuben from Seguin on line one. Reuben, it's good to hear from you. How are you doing? I am blessed. How are you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you fine, Reuben. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm blessed, Pastor. It's good to, to hear your voice again. Um, uh, I have a comment, and then I have a question, if that's okay, on what's going on. Um 
as a disabled person, I'm I'm very disappointed with uh, people. Um, the other day, I went to H E B here in Seguin, and I mean the aisle for the toilet paper and water was just like jammed and. Every time that a spot would open up, someone would cut in front of me, and I could, and they saw me in the buggy, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me get in. And I'm just standing there, like I mean, I'm sitting there in the buggy, like, are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, come on. And I just honestly think that, that this country is overreacting. If instead of running to the stores, what they need to do is run to the, whatever room they have a Bible in and take it out of the drawer. <laughs> or take it off of the shelf and dust it off and open it up to the book of revelations and start reading i mean if 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 let my like my doctor told me he says ruben he goes if you're going to get the coronavirus you're going to get it there's that's just the way it is it doesn't matter you know if you quarantine yourself or whatever you're going to get it so i'm kind of disappointed with the people here that would see a dis- disabled man and would not I don't want pity that's not what I want but I common courtesy common courtesy would say you know let him get in there but no but that's okay that's my comment <clears throat> now I have a question Isaiah 53 um, I read that every day as a reminder that um, by his wounds I am healed and that he all of my transgressions and all of my sins have been covered by you know it was a a, a, a prophecy of the forecoming of Jesus and what happened to him, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what I'm, what I'm, I'm kind of a little bit confused because the more I read it, like in the beginning, it sounds like, like uh, it's Isaiah that's talking, correct? Well, it, it's it's actually the Lord. Isaiah is seeing a vision. That's one of the hard things about the prophecy of Isaiah. Reuben, he's seeing a vision and he's communicating what's done. So, so he's literally being dictated to when he's making those prophecies of the suffering servant. He's being dictated to by God, and and he's simply the secretary. He's he's just writing them down. I was going to ask you because at the beginning it sounds like it was Isaiah talking, but then at the end he says, "I will crown him with glory" or something like that. I don't I don't remember what he says, but he does say. I will give him his portion. What does that mean? I will give him his portion. Please. Well, yeah. his Jesus' portion, and Reuben, that's not Isaiah speaking. That's God speaking. I yeah, will give yeah. Isaiah. Yeah. So, so when he says he's given his portion, you and I, we're Jesus' portion. His throne, um, uh, 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 the the throne of David, is is his portion. His lordship over a world. Uh, when we're in those suffering servant passages, they lead into those passages that deal with the millennial reign of Christ where he rules and reigns, and eventually we get to that place where where um, um, beyond the, the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, and Jesus' portion is everything, that the place where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's sort of a victory lap, and that's what he's talking about there. So um, when, when we're talking about the suffering servant passages, we really have to be careful uh, because they are, are used by false teachers to give people false hope. Uh, for example, by his 
wounds or stripes we are healed. That's not a promise of physical healing. That's that's the atonement. Matthew uh, talks about it. Also, Peter talks about it and says the the healing is the healing from the one fatal disease, the disease of sin. So um, we we've got to look at those suffering servant passages. And, and 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 read them in context of what's being said, and that's not a promise of physical healing at all. It's simply um, the Lord saying that uh, I will cure this this human race of the one disease that is always fatal, and that's the disease of sin. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I, I was quoting that out of context this whole time. Even when I, when I spoke, I spoke it out of context. Um, uh, a, a lot of people do because there's so much bad teaching uh, in these uh, prosperity churches, the health yes. and wealth churches, uh, and uh, you know you can just claim your healing and God has to heal you. It's it's provided for, <laughs> yes. you know, and that's simply to miss the point of the passage altogether. Yes, yes. Well, thank you. That's uh, that was that's a huge clarification, and and, and I know mm. that in my life with everything that's going on with me. Um, I've been quoting that, but I've been misquoting it. But still, I believe that that uh, you know Jesus is my healer, anyways. Uh, yep. And and in regards to to, to, to what's going on with me, uh, the operation was set to be in uh, op- uh, April, but now with this coronavirus outbreak, the doctor says he doesn't want to do it because of this outbreak. So they pushed it back until. I don't know when. So I'm just, just, okay, we'll just keep me in prayer for that the Lord can. I'll do it, Ruben. Please keep us us informed all along, okay? I will. I will. Thank you. Thank you, Ruben. Uh, God bless. You know, along those lines of of what Ruben was just commenting on, uh, there was a very dear woman in my life. Her name was Dr. Sue. And um, the day that she was going to die. The Lord uh, spoke to my heart. I was in prayer early in the morning. He said, go see her today. And and there was an urgency. Um, she was uh, dying of cancer. Um, she'd been uh, bedridden at home with hospice care for quite some time. And it was just okay. I, this the day. And I just knew it was the day. So uh, when I went to her bedside, um, uh, Lord told me to to uh, get a washcloth and wash your face first and then to wash your feet. And I did that. And so when I went up to say basically goodbye to her, um, whispered in her ear, and she was strong enough, just barely, she said, I thought God said he was going to heal me. And I said, I called her sis. I said, sis, today you're going to be healed. And this peace came over her face, and just she that, and she was very soon in the presence of the Lord. So we got to do those things right. You know, Reuben, I want to also comment on on what you said about the disappointment in people. One of the things that we have to do as Christians, especially in these last days, is 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 be quick to give people grace. Um, uh, this twenty four hour news cycle, and 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 twenty four hour news is, in my opinion, of the devil, and it's got people so afraid. And people are acting outside of character. That's what fear does. That's what the enemy does. I told our church yesterday that that we're simply not going to let fear reveal um, um, that we're not really believers in Jesus Christ, that we really do trust him. We're not going to be so afraid 
that we misrepresent the Lord. And that's what's happening. It's happening in the stores. Um, the more news you listen to, and it's on constantly, uh, the more information, even though the, the information is inconclusive, the more that we're exposed to. It's like uh, even today, several people come into my office with different takes on what the president or the governor or the mayor of San Antonio said in the news conference. And, and all we've got to understand is that, that as Christians... We respond to what the Bible says about what a Christian behaves like, and and Reuben, I, I can promise you. I know I don't go anywhere near HEB. I've, you know, I got one right across the street from my house. I don't go, but um, uh, if Paula was there, Reuben, and she saw you in a wheelchair, uh, she wouldn't have cut you off. I mean, it's just see that's the thing. The the enemy is going to use this fear to try to destroy our witness. And we can't let him. We've got to be um, the ones who have a testimony that's powerful. We've got to be those men and women who are kind and gentle. Uh, We've got to be believers. We've got to trust. And unless we do that, then we're going to get caught up in all of this mess as well. Reuben, thank you for the call, and we are praying for you, and thank you that uh, I was worried about you because I didn't hear from you last week, so I was worried that uh, you were well, and now to know you are is, is a good thing. Thank you very, very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions, reactions to what's going on. Uh, Brandy asks me, Pastor Ron, the Song of Solomon is about a husband and a wife, but a friend says it's about Jesus and the church. And she wants to know which is true. Brandy, both of those things are true. One of the great things about our Bible, and especially in this particular case, it's one of the poetic books. This is really a song. It's a song, um, the lyrics, like a country song, you know, the lyrics come from real life, but it's about a bigger story. Um, the, the Solomon um, finds this woman that he's absolutely madly in love with, the, the Shulamite, and and um, they, they, he's the love of her life, and vice versa. Um, but it's more than just a historical love story. It's great for wedding counseling, marriage counseling. It's, 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 it's a wonderful picture of what a, a marriage is supposed to be like with some warnings and some little pitfalls in there. Um, but it's also about Jesus and the church, and you can't miss the picture. Uh, the first time Solomon sees the Shulamite, uh, he is uh, visiting a far country, and he's in disguise. In other words, evidently Solomon at times liked to get out uh, and be about the people, to get a handle on what real life is all about, away from the the, the palace. And um, on one of those particular trips, he sees this this girl that takes his breath away. And, you know, they have a whirlwind romance but he's got to go away he's got to go back and be king so she doesn't know that he's Solomon the king she just knows that he's in love with her and she's in love with him and he has to go away and some time passes and the next time he comes back a little bit later in the book he comes back and and, and he's got his whole entourage with him they can see the column of smoke rising from, from the dust that comes up from his his chariots. And suddenly everybody realized it's Solomon, it's the king. Where is he? And he stops in front of this woman's house. 
And when he stops in front of this woman's house, everybody knows that he's come to see her. So the first time he comes into the skies, nobody knew who he was. That's Jesus. The first time he came, people didn't recognize that he was God the Son. But the next time he comes, Revelation chapter 19 says, it'll say, Lord of Lord and King of Kings on his thigh and on his robe. And everyone will know who he is. Well, when Solomon stopped the second time and took her hand and took her away with him, well, that's the picture of Jesus loving his church. But we can even make it brandy more individual than that. When Solomon says to his lover, all beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. What he's saying is, look, you're perfect. I love you. There's no one but me. That's Jesus looking at you too, Brandy. So it's both of those things, and that's the beauty of the poetry that we find in the Bible. There's great application. There's also allegory. There's there's types and pictures. And the Song of Solomon is one of my favorite things. Brandy, if you are interested, um, you can... Um, Go to our website, calvarysa.com. I have, uh, I think, a couple of my teachings, and I teach the whole book at one time when I do it, but I think we got a couple of, our, of my teachings on the Song of Solomon where I go into great detail about all of these things. Thank you, Brandy. <clears throat> Thank you, Brandy, for the question. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go to Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. Good to see you yesterday. It's been too long. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, the reason I went is because they closed our uh, city church down on Bender Road. But, um, and then I tried to get my wife to come with me and my family, but they said no. So I said, well, you know what, I'm I'm going to go by myself, and I'm not going to stay home and confine to fear. So I, I went over there. But I really, I'm really, and then, and then Paula said, Paula said this so much behind, and I told her that. So this is what I'm really praying for. I like going to your church, I know, because you teach the whole gospel. And, and, uh, and, um, but when I was going there by myself, I was lonely because Martha wasn't with me. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, I guess I'm going to have to step out in faith. God told me a lot yesterday about how you stepped out in faith and said, we're going to conduct church anyway, and we're not going to submit to fear. And that showed me a lot, where you took a stand. Amen. So I'm I'm praying that, that Martha eventually comes with me, and because I want to be at your church, you know, more so yeah, than anything. And everybody was happy to see me, all the, that, that praise and worship leader and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you, you could tell Martha she, she missed Paula singing yesterday. Yeah, I, I loved it. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's all I wanted to Thank say. you, Jimmy. Thank you, yeah. Jimmy. Appreciate it. God bless you. You looked good, too. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You know, um, uh, Jimmy was kind to say that he was blessed by us meeting yesterday. And, you know, I don't know what else to do. Um, I've got some people that were irritated with me. I mentioned that at the top of the show. Um, But, you know, the truth is that that when, when people are afraid, they need to run to the house of God. 
I told the church yesterday, you know, and unless they tell me it is illegal to do so, we're going to I'm going to be there and I'll teach whoever shows up. And, um, you know, it, it has nothing to do with being indifferent about the situation. Um, I, I, I clearly have thoughts that this is overkill and and uh, I see a lot of people afraid, but but certainly not everybody who didn't have service yesterday is giving in to fear. Uh, I think what we've got to do is is what uh, the Lord has told us to do. One of the things for me is um, uh, I, I got to point people to Jesus in times when they're panicking and afraid. So that's what we're going to do here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Thank you for that, Jimmy. Appreciate it very very much. I mean that. Yeah, this is a question Abraham wants to know. I got thrown off by Abraham. I think is a question about Abraham. No, Abraham's the name of the questioner. Uh, as a new believer, how do I deal with law and grace? Um, Abraham, it's really I don't think difficult at all. Uh, I think you've got to understand to whom the law was given. And the purpose of the law, Paul tells the churches in Galatia in this matter of dealing with the same questions you asked, uh, he said the law's purpose was to be like a, a schoolmaster to lead us to Jesus. In other words, the law should teach us that we need Jesus because we can't keep the law. Abraham, the purpose of the law was to demonstrate the character of God, the purpose of the law, and later Jesus up the ante on the Sermon on the Mount. The purpose is to demonstrate that, that the law, keeping the letter and especially the spirit of the law, is impossible. And what it ought then to do is cause us to sort of throw up our hands and say, I can't do this. I need help. That's what Job did. If only there were a man who could mediate between me and God. I can't reach up to him. He can't reach down to me. If only there were a man. Well, Jesus is that man. So as a new believer, forget the law. You're not under law. Now here's another way to look at it, Abraham. I hope this will really help as as a new believer. Uh, The law is a got to, and grace is a get to. You know, I don't violate the law, but it's not because I have to or God will be mad at me. I don't violate the law because I love him so much. So before I was saved, the things I would talk about, oh, I have to go to church or I have to give or I have to. I don't I get to do those things now. And when we respond to grace, we ought to do so with the most grateful of hearts and then the overriding response is to offer our bodies, Paul says, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. So don't worry so much about law. Jesus gave the law to Israel. He didn't give it to you, Abraham. He didn't give it to me. He gave the law to Israel. The law never accomplished the purpose that God wanted it to accomplish. And that purpose is to to demonstrate that we can't keep it. We need help. When Jesus showed up, the entire opposition against him opposed him because they had the wrong idea about what the law is or what the law did and what their response to it should be. So here's what you need to do. Just for a while, Abraham, don't worry so much about being in the, the, the law parts of the Old Testament. Just sort of hang out with Jesus in the New Testament. 
learn about who he is and what he's done for you. One suggestion I always make, Abraham, is to, to look very closely at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians uh, is written in two parts. The first three chapters is everything that God has done for you. I would suggest you read that three, four, five times. Three chapters doesn't take very long at all. Really let the Lord speak to your heart. And then when you get to chapter four, the book flips and teaches us what our response should be to what God has already done. And the one thing I don't want you to get caught up in is, do I have to keep the Ten Commandments? Do I have to worship on the Sabbath? He wasn't speaking to you. Jesus fulfilled the law because we couldn't. And because he did, then gratitude pours from, from our hearts. And with thanksgiving, then we serve God by offering him everything that we are. You know, one of the things Abraham always talk about, I get a lot of questions on this program about tithing. You know, the law required that the tithing means a tenth. The law required that you gave a tenth. But the law condemned grace, which saves. How much more should we give to God because of grace? I think a good way to describe it, the law is just labor, hard work. Grace is a labor of love. And when we get that, when we understand it, then our attitude changes, our lives become fruitful. We've got 30 minutes left in today's program, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Remember, I'd be interested in your reaction to services yesterday, whether you had them or didn't. We'll be back in two minutes. Got a question for Pastor Ron and the word to stand on for life? You can send it to him via email at PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. Back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to our program, the Word to Stand On for Life, 340-9585 for your live calls, questions, or comments. Sheila wants to know, did Jesus break the Sabbath as he was accused of doing Sheila, not not only did he not break the Sabbath, I mean, had he broke the Sabbath, he would have been a sinner. He was was a Jew. His ministry was to the lost house of Israel. He kept the Sabbath perfectly. So when he was healing people on the Sabbath, what he was really doing was giving a tutorial on the purpose of the Sabbath in the first place. The Bible says the Sabbath, Jesus said, uh, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Jews had it just the other way around. And so what he was trying to communicate to them, Sheila, was that because they misunderstood the Sabbath, they perverted it and began to view that day as a a day, well, if I do this, then God will bless me. And so, no, Jesus didn't break the Sabbath with all the healing, and he over and over and over 
tried to communicate that truth to him. You know, one of the great stories is is uh, when he was led into the synagogue and they knew he was coming, they set up a man with a shriveled hand in front of him. And they knew if, if he heals on the Sabbath, then we'll have him. They thought they knew that he couldn't walk by this man. And Jesus, of course, knowing what's in the hearts of men, he knew that this was a trap. But still, he just healed the man's hand. And it was for the Jews. It was like almost, well, what more proof do we need? And Jesus really, really scolded them, telling them they misunderstood the point of the Sabbath at all. If you had an animal, you'd go dig him out if he fell into a hole. How much more this daughter of Abraham or this son of, of, of Abraham? And so what he was trying to do, not only fulfill the Sabbath, we have to remember that Jesus only did what he saw his father do. So when he healed somebody, it was under orders. And what he was trying to do was teach them the perspective of the Sabbath from heaven's vantage point, rather than from the vantage point of earth. And so he kept the Sabbath perfectly, he kept the law perfectly, and he did it because he knew that we couldn't. Sheila, good question. Thank you very much. Um, Danny asked an interesting question. If Jonah was a real prophet, why would he run from God? Well, Jonah was a real prophet, but he was also, uh, Danny, certainly uh, a human being, and he ran from God because he knew, he absolutely knew that God was going to save Nineveh. And that's not the message he wanted. Danny, if God's ever spoken something to you that you don't want to do, I might ask the question, well, you're a real Christian, Danny, so why would you run from God? And the reason we run from God is because we don't like the message. Jonah wanted Nineveh, wanted the Assyrians to, to be judged. He wanted fire and brimstone. And he knew that if God sent him, the message was going to be an opportunity for them to repent and be saved. And of course it worked, but Jonah, even after being captured by God and brought to Nineveh in the the belly of a fish, um, he was angry. And that's why he ran from God. Yeah, he was a real prophet. You'd think a real prophet would know that he couldn't run from God. He would know what David wrote. Um... Where are, where can I run from you, the psalmist says. So I hope that that clears it up for you. Let's take a phone call. Danny calling from San Antonio. Danny, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. This is uh, hi, Danny. Danny and Bell from church. Oh, hi, Danny. Hi. So my question, I got, actually, I have a couple of questions. Um, So, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, make every effort to come to me soon, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonia, uh, Crescens, has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Del, I don't know how to pronounce that. Dalmatia. Now, now, Dalmatia. Okay. So, 
And that, in those two verses, is that saying that Titus deserted Paul, or is that a different Titus? Or same, same Titus, Danny. However, uh, the the only one in the in the construction of the sentence, the only one that deserted him was Demas. Demas is sort of a different category. Demas is is we appears three times in the New Testament, and on two occasions he is a uh, I'll use King James here a loyal yoke fellow. In other words, he was a helper that Paul could depend on. At the end of Paul's life, and that's what Second Timothy is all about. At the end of Paul's life, Demas. Um, maybe because he saw Paul uh, being imprisoned, he, things didn't turn out the way he hoped. Um, but but Paul is really clear. He loved the things of this world instead of sacrificing for God, and he deserted me. And so at the end, Danny and Bell, um, Demas was a man that was not dependable. He couldn't be trusted on. And uh, we we don't know if that means he, he was saved and lost, and, and, and um, um, he didn't lose his salvation. You can't do that. We don't know whether he was ever saved or not, or whether he's going to be in heaven and he's going to have to answer for that. But it's only Demas who deserted him. He's just giving Timothy instructions. This is what uh, happened to to um, um, in in Crete and and uh, in the other places. So um, only Demas deserted him. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's, that clears that up. And then um, okay, one of the services, the you, you mentioned, uh, if it's okay for another question. Sure. Okay. Um, there, there was some discussion, or you're talking about the Me Too movement. Um, I don't know if there was enough clear. I don't know, I mean, with all the media and stuff like that, maybe myself and others aren't quite clear what that Me Too movement is, is all about. I think it kind of like exploded into a lot of other things, but what what is it really about? What How did it start and what was its purpose? Um, because I think a, a lot, when, when they talk about Me Too movement, they're talking about a whole bunch of other things that aren't related to it. I think they're just trying to clump everything together. Yeah. Typically, uh, and, and let me—I want to be clear on this. I mentioned the, the Me Too movement in a, uh, a Wednesday night Bible study when when we were talking about Eve's fall. Um, yeah. And and, the, and and the problem with with I, I shouldn't have said that. I, actually, I could have made the same point um, uh, that I made without referring to the Me Too movement. And in fact, I've had that part edited out of our of our our videos or or uh, tapes online but but the me too movement started danny with uh, the the harvey weinstein um uh, offenses against women his crimes against women um and and that sort of kicked off an entire uh, group of people yes i was abused too yes i was sexually abused too so the me too referred uh, initially to sexual abuse then it spiraled into emotional abuse, uh, or we're not paid as much as others. So the Me Too movement became a broader symbol for for a feminist movement, for equal rights for women. And it's just sort of evolved into something uh, where it's lost its original meaning at all. I want to be really clear so everybody knows that 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 Jesus Christ is and, and always will be the only one who ever granted equal rights to women. And and uh, he he revolutionized the world for women uh, with with uh, the gospel of grace, 
And um, um, he, he wouldn't want women to be mistreated. Jesus wouldn't want women to be dealt with inequitably. So um, in theory, the Me Too movement is, is a good thing. However, like anything else, like our current situation with this um, epidemic, um, you know, because of fear, because of anger, people that don't know God, they just take it. And social media has made this a firestorm, and it really changed the landscape of the, the world that we live in. Uh, it seems yeah. to be losing some steam like everything does. But um, um, all we have to do as Christians is live like Jesus did, and there won't be anybody who will ever have anything uh, to say to us or about us in terms of of uh, wronging women at all. Thank you, Danny, for that. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate uh, uh, you doing the radio show and stuff. We we really we really love it. Thank you. So thank much. you, man. Appreciate thank it very much. God bless you. God bless you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We've got um, a question, anonymous question. Uh, caller asks, what does Pastor Ron think about John Eckhart? Second question, is it wrong to say I decree or I declare? Let me get the second part of the question first. Uh, I don't know much about John Eckhart. I've got only very brief um, information about him. Um, but but it, it, I think I would change the word um, anonymous to I will. And I think it's wrong to say I will. Unless you're saying, I will serve God, or I will obey God. Those are declarative statements that have a a great purpose. However, when I say, I'm going to do this, I should say, James, according to James, I should say, well, if the Lord wills, I will do this. And I think it's it's the, the really important part of your question, Anonymous, is that we need to get up every day realizing that we are men and women under authority. And it is very wrong for me to say, I'm going to do this. Uh, as a man under authority, I need to check in with, with the Lord. And when I check in with the Lord, I'll say, according to your will. I want your will, not my will, to be done. So I really do think it is unhealthy for us to get to a place where we say, I'm going to do this, or I declare, or I decree, when in fact the only statements that we can make with any definitive Accuracy is we can say, I want your will in my life. Uh, if the Lord wills, we'll do those things. Now, about John Eckhart, um, he is, well, I can tell you now, he's, he's known as the Apostle John Eckhart. He's the overseer of Crusaders Ministries out of Chicago. Uh, and if he is an apostle, calls himself an apostle, I can tell you now, he's uh, a false teacher. Stay away from him. Don't listen to a thing that he has to say. I've not listened to any of his teachings, so I can't be specific. But remember, Ephesians 2 makes it really, really clear there are no apostles today. And he is just another one of these guys who's trying to take um, a level of authority that he doesn't have. It's not given to him by God. So thanks for the question. Let's go to my friend in San Leandro, California, Tanya, calling on line one. Tanya, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Papa. I almost, I just logged in right now. I almost missed it. I lost track of time. I'm, I'm you know, we're confined to our homes right now, so um, I've been cleaning. <laughs> I thought, oh, my gosh, it's too late. I almost called. I almost forgot. <laughs> so I have a question, Papa. I'm reading a book uh, by Ray Stedman. It's uh, Let God Be God. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really enjoying it. And, and one of the questions I have, Papa, and it kind of on Friday, 
I went to listen to the Friday uh, uh, call, the show, and uh, Nacho kind of asked a question a little bit to what I want to ask. And when I'm reading um, the book of Job and reading the book, is, uh, reading Ray Sedman's book, um, I noticed that, you know, I know that uh, Satan can't touch anybody without God's permission. Okay. So once, so let's say if, if somebody uh, is just, you know, that they've committed the unforgivable sin, which is just totally walked away, does Satan still get permission from God, or they're just handed over to him? Like, it's just maybe started thinking, like, what if somebody who says, you know what, I don't want any of this, I'm, I'm fine going to hell or whatever, Do does, does the rule still apply that Satan still has to ask God? Hmm. Tanya, we don't, we don't, I don't know the answer to that question because we don't have any examples of that. Um, yeah. we, we, know that we, we know that the devil's purpose is to rob, to kill, to steal, and destroy. And certainly we know that God has limits on what he can do. But, but all we know for sure is that the devil cannot physically touch a Christian, somebody who belongs to God, without God's express permission. Now, we've got two examples in the Bible, Job and the Apostle Paul where God granted that permission. But other than that, we know that he can huff and puff and he can mess with our minds and he can try to scare us. But the one thing that he can't do is cause us physical affliction. And if we rest in that, then we have a healthy view of this spiritual battle that we have going on with the Lord. I think sometimes, Tanya, people are too afraid of... of. Um, of, of what the devil can do. And, and the truth is, all he can do is he's like the big bad wolf, huff and puff and threaten, but, but he can't touch us physically. Now, with regard to the other questions you made, I, I know this part of the second question, but um, nobody alive can commit this, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Uh, when, we're, when we're alive, as long as we still have breath, it's not too late to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And blasphemy okay. the Holy Spirit, the unforgivable sin, is dying, having rejected the work of the Holy Spirit, calling us to Christ. So okay. when, when uh, th- it's true that some people's hearts get so hard that they've crossed a line that nobody on earth can see, even then it's not too late. Judas, remember, Jesus gave him several opportunities to repent, um, but of course he couldn't do that uh, because he'd crossed that line. But nobody on earth could see that line. But um, Satan, if somebody is walked so far away from God they want nothing at all to do with God, um, well then Satan is probably going to leave him alone pretty much while he messes around with people like you. (laughs) That that was that was I mean because I know the nature and character of God and that is that none should perish not one and so I was thinking to myself I was because I'm just reading you know that book and then reading the book of Job again which I love reading and first of all I want I forgot to tell you your sermon yesterday was fantastic Um, I was able to log in and I loved your I loved your shirt um, and Mama Paul was saying beautifully. But I, I really, I really, I knew the nature and character of God, and I, I know that, um, you know, until your last breath, you have a chance. But I was wondering about the people who, because I know he can, Satan can possess non-Christians and, and get them to do awful things. We look at the news and we see evil, right? And so I was just mm-hmm. curious, Papa, after, you know, reading the Let God Be God and, 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 the, um, and the Bible. Well, you you will continue to enjoy the Ray Steadman book. He's great. You know, he used to be before. Now he's with Jesus, but he used to be right up the street from you in Palo Alto. 
Peninsula really? Bible Church is where he came from, yeah. And uh, and great, great guy. Uh, if you haven't read his book, Authentic Christianity, do so. You'll love it. All right. Thank you, Pop. Y'all have a blessed day. Stay safe. Love you guys. Uh-huh. God bless you, too. Thank you very much. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Tanya said they were confined to their home. Uh, I don't know if that's because they've been exposed or... Or if that's just now how crazy things are getting. Can you imagine? Uh, restaurants in some parts of the country are closing. And I just keep thinking, you know, who's going to pay their rent? Who's going to pay their employees? It's just, it's crazy stuff. Not many businesses can afford to go uh, two weeks or a month without any income at all. Here is a question from Eric. Oh, interesting question. Eric says, do you think that we need to speak Greek or Hebrew to completely understand the Bible? Eric, we do not. However, we need to be students rightly dividing the Word of God. I had a conversation with somebody after our service on Friday this week, um, or last week now, um, and and I said, um, have you read, I was going to talk about a, a Greek scholar, I only read the Bible. But we've got to remember that to understand the language, especially New Testament written in Greek, it's vibrant, it's active. And words translated into English don't have the same meaning as they do typically in English. They have a different force and a different tense. And um, so uh, it, it certainly helps to speak Greek or Hebrew. But no, we don't need to speak Greek or Hebrew to completely understand the Bible. But here's what we can do. This is one of those places where we get to stand on the shoulders of the great godly men who've gone before us. Um, in terms of Greek, Eric, uh, the, the, the preeminent Greek scholar of the New Testament is a man named A.T. Robertson. Um, one of the, I think it's an indispensable study tool. Um, uh, word pictures uh, in the New Testament uh, by A.T. Robertson. Um, if you're really going to rightly divide the word, you've got to understand what the author intended to say. I'll just give you one example. Uh, in Peter's restoration, um, Jesus said, do you love me? Now, um, in English, we have one word for love. Um, Jesus used the word agape or agapeo, and it was it was referring to the kind of love that only is available from God or through God. As Christians, the only way we can love uh, agape love is, is, is the Holy Spirit having deposited his love into our heart. Um, Peter responded, yes, Lord, I love you. And if you're just reading that in English, you, you don't understand at all what he said. The, the next word, Peter used the word phileo. And that means I'm fond of you, I like you. You see, Peter, by this time, had been humbled not only to be humbled, but he realized his own limitations. This is the guy who denied him three times. And so the, the, the outcome was Peter being humbled. And at this point, Peter's saying, Lord, I would have said a week ago that I love you. In fact, I did. I love you more than all the others. But truth is, I only like you. So Jesus asked again, do you agape me? And Peter, a little more humbled, said, I phileo you. I like you. And then finally, the third time, Jesus said, do you like me? Do you phileo me? Now see, if you're just reading that in English, you lose all value of the exchange between Jesus and Peter. So, Eric, we don't need to speak the original languages. 
But one thing that I can tell you we do need to do is understand them. And we've got great study tools. Again, A.T. Robertson, uh, Greek Word Pictures in the New Testament is an indispensable study tool. Uh, But Strong's Concordance, Thayer's uh, Concordance, and the translations, um, we need to understand enough and it doesn't require us to speak the language, but it does require us to dig in and really want to get the uh, complete understanding of what's being said. Great, great question, Eric. Thank you very much. Um, oh, and uh, I was just talking about uh, Tanya's call in California. The Bay Area is shelter in place. Only essential business is open. Uh, L.A. is closing restaurants except for takeout and delivery. Wow. Crazy time. Uh, our last question for today. James would like my thoughts on Lee Strobel's books. Um, James, um, uh, I recommend them. Um, I, you know, there, there's, there's stuff that I recommend uh, ahead of Lee Strobel's books only because I think they're more scholarly and in-depth, but, but make no mistake, I, I think what Lee Strobel has done is great. I think his ministry is, is vibrant. And I recommend them all the time. His books, uh, The Case for the Bible, The Case for Christ, um, uh, I especially like is A Case for the Bible, uh, is is um, something that a relatively new believer can open, understand it, and dig in and sort of get their appetite whetted for something deeper, something uh, a little bit richer. But uh, I have no problem with, with uh, anything that Lee Strobel's written. Uh, I've seen him speak a couple of times. And uh, he is a dear brother who loves Jesus with all of his heart, and I recommend his stuff uh, without reservation, at least up to this point. Um, I said that would be the last one. I think i got time for one more. I have two minutes. Michelle, here's one I can do. Michelle says, how will we know people in heaven we have never met here on earth? Um, Michelle, they're going to have name tags. In heaven, we're going to have name tags. Just kidding. Um, we're going to know everything in heaven. When Moses and Elijah appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John had never seen them, but they knew instantly who they were. In heaven, we're going to know everything. We're going to be like Jesus. So we will know now in part we know, but then we will know fully as we are known by God. So we're going to know... Um, Everybody in heaven, we're going to know their hearts. They're going to be without a sin nature. It's going to be a magnificent way to communicate. And Michelle, I'll tell you, I can't wait. Let me close today with this. I uh, I told our church yesterday that uh, for 29 years, I've been a, say, a, a Christian for 25 years, a pastor teaching the Bible, and I believe Jesus is going to come any minute. I've always believed that. But the, the reaction, the, the craziness surrounding our current situation has absolutely moved my heart to look to that eastern sky every morning. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is coming at any moment. And you're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. We need to live our lives in these last days for Christ. We are the only ones that can give hope to people that are just devastated by fear and panic. So walk with Jesus and follow him. Men's, women's, and kids' Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock. You've been listening to the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word.
Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Oh, 